Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Why It Matters. I'm Tracy Kronzak. I'm Tim Lockie. And we are exceedingly pleased uh, to introduce our guest today, whom I will let introduce herself. Um, I, I, I don't even know what to say other than we have been on a tear this year during the course of this podcast around huge issue discussions of impact and positioning and what it really means to elevate the ecosystem of nonprofits that we care about. And I will only say on a very personal note that uh, in the span of my career, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of business owners serving nonprofits in their industries. And I always say the same thing, and that is I've never met a business owner serving nonprofits who didn't care about the state of the world in some way, shape, or form. But it in 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 informing acquaintanceship and friendship uh, with Christina, who is our guest today, I can only say that um, you are one of the people who I believe are truly emblematic of that. And thank you for, for entering my life. Uh, in a very sort of dark era in, in the late 2019 era and becoming a friend and advisor and mentor and person whom I really look up to. And I'm just going to wind up that pitch and send it over to you, Christina, to, to introduce yourself and, and say thank you for being our guest today. Well, thank you for that very, very lovely introduction, Tracy. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Christina Harencourt. I'm the president and co-founder of Mission CRM. And I've had the pleasure of knowing you, Tracy, and you, Tim. Um, I remember it fondly, you know, meeting Tim in the hallways of the NetHope conference and just all this enthusiasm rushing at me. It's like, who are you? What do you do? This is wild. I'm like, that's wow, not Tim. That was so wild. I'm like, this is amazing. And you know, that particular conference, I'm so grateful I got to attend because it snowballed into the development of all these relationships. It was the launching point at which TSI and Microsoft really brought everyone together in literally one room at a couple of key moments during that conference and said, this is where we're going. And I was so happy to be able to back up and say, we're going, we've gone, we're all in on this thing that we all know now is the common data model for nonprofits. It was really that turning point, I think, where everyone agnostic of organization had this lightning bolt. They're like, no, 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 there's something that's going to change. We don't know where it's going, but there's something happening for this sector that's never been done this way before. So it's been wonderful to meet people like yourselves on that journey, because otherwise I don't think it would have evolved in the same way because it's not about a platform, it's about a vision. And I think that vision is where we're all striving to go from just a variety of different perspectives but with a mutual vision for how technology can support the sector holistically and with real integrity along the way. That is, I'm so glad that you're pinpointing NetHope 2019 in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. as a pivot, because I, I think you're right. I, I, know, I mean, that was a meaningful event for me because it was just wildly interesting in my first NetHope event. 
Um, but I, but as you're saying that, I'm realizing, and I'm going back to that, mm-hmm. that meeting that, that was, uh, you know, I talk a lot about the and not or. That was very much an and meeting, where there were a lot of Salesforce partners and Microsoft partners in a room talking about what a future could look like, in a way that I had not engaged, um, in you know, in the ten years I've been doing that th- this type of work. So. Um, yeah, thanks for highlighting that, and thank you for interpreting me as enthusiastic and not annoying, which is the other option. And so I really appreciate that uh, at a personal level. I, I will just say the Buffalo Springfield song, you know, for what it's worth, I think is the title of it. You know, there's something happening here. Like that's uh, right. that's all that just made me think about, and and it's and it's that moment, Christina, where. I, mm-hmm. I don't think folks know, or maybe they shouldn't know, or maybe they do know, but now it's in the recording, is you had already brought a product to market. And you were like, here's my product. Here's what it's going to do. And mm-hmm. then Microsoft released the nonprofit common data model for public consumption. And you were like, we have to pivot. And I met you I think when you were at the sort of final stages of that journey where you're like, this has been an interesting three months. Um, Just why? Like, why did you do that as a business owner? Because you could have just done what you did and been fine with it, right? You could have just released your product regardless (laughs) of what the common data model was suggesting, but you actually spent time and money. I mean, the technical term I use is refrangulating it, but you did. Like, just mm-hmm. speak to that moment for a minute because that decision, wow, like hard. Yes, it was, you know, one of those bold moments that you look back, you're like, phew, made the right choice. Um, you know, I'm a believer that life shrinks or expands kind of proportionate to your courage, right? And there was a moment in that where, we saw a wonderful product, V1 of Mission CRM is what I always called it, which was our own data model. We had to build it all from scratch. There was no such thing. We just built it on Dynamics 365 sales. We built it, we, CJ Brooks, the architect, you know, literally the technical design documents, like if you had to stack them, they'd be like a mile high. But then we knew with that common data model that there was a bigger, broader, vision that Microsoft was trying to realize. Eric was passionate about it. And when you started to think about the the possibilities, the expansion, what it meant for us to be on the ground floor of the vision, it really became a no brainer. It was still bold, don't get me wrong. I mean, I had to validate to myself, hold on, we just invested all this money, time, energy, blood, sweat, and tears. And now we have to rebuild it from the ground up, which is literally what we did. Uh, We went all in, but we went all in with a vision to say, right, if we don't do this, we could be left behind. We won't be of value to the sector in the same way we could be if we did build on the CDM. So when you start to pile up, you know, the dollars, the cents and the common sense, but more importantly, the bigger vision, there really wasn't a choice. There really wasn't a choice because when technology starts to fail, It fails in the ways that it makes more challenges for organizations. We didn't want to be on-prem. We knew we needed to be in the cloud. We couldn't really thrive in the same way if we weren't on the CDM. So 
here we go, you know, rebuild, ground up, Excel spreadsheets, tears again, making it all happen. But it was worthwhile because we can stand here today and still say we're the first and only donor management system built on the common data model for nonprofits. And that means data portability. That means, you know, the opportunity to really have a broad spectrum of functionality without having to worry about the integrations, without having the mindset and the pitfalls of manual and imports and all the things that slow organizations down. You know, these are things that we're very passionate about. And so we come at everything from a perspective of accelerating the momentum of nonprofits operations. That is the mission, that is what we serve, and that's all we ever aim to do at Mission. I, it's, well, go ahead, Tracy. You can have oh, I, I was just going to like say, like, we were, yeah, my mind exploded. We were literally right before hitting record talking about this book, uh, Dove Seidman's How, uh, yes. which was given to me. Uh, and, and, and everything you just said, I think, is emblematic of what that book is trying to convey. And that is there's, there's two ways that you can conduct business. You can conduct business in an ordinary self-serving way, or you can conduct business in a way that is extensible and reflective of growth and values mm -hmm. that when you make a decision like that, it, it, it's like course correcting two degrees, you know, now X period of time later, you're in an entirely different place. Um, and, and I think, thank you for that, because I struggle in, in this work to articulate to other business owners, like the meaning of what it means to serve nonprofits as an ecosystem sometimes, because it feels so personal to me. It feels so like, you know, because it's the right thing to do. Uh, mm -hmm. So thank you for putting words to that, that I think will resonate with a lot of other business owners around what it means for the future of being an interoperable and, and moreover sort of service business to the ecosystem. Absolutely. I think the vision to serve is really, really important to be in service, to partner with. That's always our goal. And our technology needs to also be in service, right? What we do needs to fulfill the needs of nonprofits today and also set them up for tomorrow, which is where the CDM comes from. The vision of that is you're not gonna be stuck making a choice 10 years from now that you're going to regret. This should set you up for the foundation for your future for whatever you choose to do. Right. I think one of the things that, you know, brought us forward in Mission CRM so impactful to me was I went to N10 many years ago. I saw Amy's sample word on here not so long ago, which is great. Love that, Amy. She's amazing. And that one conference, I was in a, a session and it was about people who wanted to change their CRM. You know, 50 percent of the room said, I want to change my CRM. And it was like, why? It's not working for me. When did you implement it? two weeks ago or, you know, or two years ago, like this is a massive investment. This is like a marriage. Like we want to be with you for the long haul, right? To, for an organization to have that much change, that's not a good thing, right? So like the CDM gives you that future. It gives you a solid foundation. And so mission, we're just a part of what is possible. 
right? We just are a sliver of what organizations can benefit from. And I sincerely hope that the ecosystem continues to evolve. I wanna see more organizations like Mission CRM, you know, building more IP on the CDM, showing more about what's possible to organizations because it's so new. You know, we need to see the growth of the ecosystem, you know, not just from a client perspective, but also from organizations like Mission, forging ahead, making investments and building out the future for other applications on the CDM as well. So when you say that, what's really, what, what hits my mind at an economics level is that you're talking about, I would love to see more competitors in the space. Like that is yep. like the output of what you're talking about would mean you would have more competitors in the space. And that is completely in alignment with everything that you and I have ever talked about in multiple conversations. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I also just wanna highlight that you, like when you're saying we didn't really have a choice to do that, um, you did. <laughs> just to be really clear, you absolutely did have a choice. Right. The only way you would not have a choice is if the values that you hold are mm -hmm. so much stronger than the immediate, you know, next two quarters, next two years even, um, revenue, you know, that, that is the, that is why you didn't have a choice is because you're, mm -hmm. you're leading your company through a series of values that don't give you a choice because of that alignment. And mm -hmm. I, I think that ecosystems, ecosystems will carry the DNA of the earliest people in them. Right. And I, and so I'm highlighting this as something really important because you're one of the front runners of this ecosystem in so many ways. And I am really glad that that is your perspective <laughs> because that is like, that will make a difference long-term. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you. There's no question there. I thought I would have one by the end, but nothing came up. I, well, I, I actually did have a you. question and it was, Tim, you just touched on like 50% of it. And that was, so, I mean, to, to Tim's point around what this means is more competition, right? Like, mm -hmm you know, what you're inviting. And, and I think appropriately so, because going back to those roots with N10, man, like I was at that conference in like 2007, 2008, when it was like morphing out of being just like the nerds and the circuit riders mm -hmm. and into something useful that elevated the industry beyond nerds, which mm -hmm. needed to happen by the way, like, right. The one thing that some of the earliest participants out there said to me, and this is folks like David Crumloff and, you know, some of the quote unquote legends, even Amy herself was like, nonprofits always benefit from software competition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, you know, what this is inviting Christina is in six months or two years, you could have somebody, you know, like, yeah. let's just change a letter, Nishin CRM, you know, over in Ontario or down in Vancouver, be like, yeah. hey, we do the same thing. And what I'm hearing you directly and discreetly saying, mm -hmm. that's awesome, because that's what is necessary. Am I misreading that? I think where I would love to see the sector go, like, I've always had this really cheesy old reference to Voltron, right? You know? Uh, it's the gestalt, right? We are yeah. better as the whole. If a nonprofit can come into this ecosystem of ISVs and SIs and say, right, I want to be able to do this vast spectrum of work 
from fundraising to case management to finance and operations to M&E, do I have a home here? Can I see solutions which answer the problems that I have? Then absolutely, that is 100% where we need to go, right? Microsoft and the common data model, I like to think of as door number three, right? People are just opening their eyes still to what's possible. And when they can see applications and tools and organizations who serve that spectrum, we need that. I don't see right now ourselves in a competitive state. What I see Mission CRM as is we are against ourselves every single day, mm. right? We are our own competition because we are forging ahead. We need to be our best, do our best. And really, I don't really care about what anyone else does or doesn't do in the space today. I just need to hold ourselves accountable to do our best work, right? The more people that I can say and turn to, hey, do you want to work on this together? Do you want to work on this together? I want to stay in our swim lane. We do donor management and fundraising really, really well. Just like, you know, I would never do a monitoring and evaluation like Dan has that over at Threshold, right? Avanade is coming out with their grant solution. Amazing. Yep. Donor Search has their app for dynamics. Fantastic. Let's start solving where those scenarios still need solutions. And sure, there might be competition down the line. Absolutely. But I want to get to a place where everyone can have their needs met on that common data model for nonprofits so that they have a home, if they need it today or not, that they can grow with peace of mind, with confidence, and knowing their investments as an organization are not just short-term pain solvers. They are long-term growth. They are long-term strategic value to an organization. Because I think that's what I like to see is technology serve strategy. Yeah. What we do is in service to strategy, whatever that strategy may be, right? It's, I'm not you're the changing the period of time over which we evaluate that. And I think that's really important to articulate. And that is most platforms, companies, technology, et cetera, like the period of time we're talking about is the next three months, right? The next quarter's worth of ACV. You're mm -hmm. changing that period of time intentionally to the next three years uh, or the next X period of time. And I, I just appreciate that uh, because it's hard to hear business leaders say that and meaningfully adopt it within their own companies. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I want to see the growth of this ecosystem, right? I... From day one, I've believed in the power of what we do. And I think nonprofits now can make a choice and really think about which way they want to go, right? And I think what Microsoft has done has given us all essentially an opportunity to write our own destiny, right? For nonprofits to be able to see themselves in a different space, in a different way, if they so choose the cloud for nonprofit was a big deal. And while I know, you know, it, some people might refer to it as marketing, sure, there's a little bit of that. But what it was also was trying to put all these parts together, that gestalt vision, that kind of new home that I think really Eric and Aaron and, you know, all the way up to Satya, everyone is all in on finally nonprofits being a sector worth recognizing within Microsoft, within the greater perspective of, hold on, at least in Canada, for example, our nonprofit sector represents 8.1% of our GDP. Like it's no joke, it's larger 
than the retail sector. This is a vertical that deserves and commands attention from the way I look at it as a business person. And they also deserve the attention of a perspective that's totally game-changing, which again goes back to that CDM. And because it was constructed for nonprofits with nonprofits, I think that's another fundamental difference in the approach that Microsoft has taken. They're agnostic, anyone can build on the CDM, but they built that CDM with a broader vision of service to nonprofits, not dictating the common data model, but being with them in the development of it from the get-go. And I think, again, it's a mindset difference, but I think it down the line, it opens up that, oh, hold on, this is for everyone, right? If Salesforce wants to go ahead and build an app, on the common data model for nonprofits, they can, right? Blackboard, anyone else, like the door is wide open. So I want to see that innovation because it's there for the taking. We should take the gauntlet, like pick it up and run with it as fast as we can. I, I, I'm so inspired to hear that. And it is why, like, that is why I was in Puerto Rico. I mean, it's Puerto Rico. So that was well, pretty great. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, but did you I, all actually go to that conference? Because, man, I hear two <laughs> stories coming out of that one. <laughs> well, let's just say there are some sessions I missed uh, to, to, to be outside because it was amazing there. Um, but I went to hear about the, the CDM because the idea that the, the idea which we've now just started calling and not or, like, let's see a world where mm -hmm. uh, Red Cross has some chapters in Blackbot and some chapters in Dynamics and some chapters in Salesforce. And instead of everybody has to move and everybody's behavior at the user level, which is where it is the hardest to drive change, yes. we don't have to change any of that because data is portable and habits are not. So just okay. that idea was just getting traction for me at that point. And I was like, what, what would that look like? Um, and that, and that was lots of conversations with Dan and Tracy and others. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is, it's really interesting. You have, when I talked with you the first time, it was exactly Tracy's question. Did you go back and re-architect on the CDM? I think that was like the second thing I asked after like, nice to meet you. I'm Tim. And then yeah. did you like got right down to it? Uh, yeah. and, 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 and you were, you know, you said exactly what you're saying now. Yeah, we did. And it was a big lift and. Was, and we're still not done. I think it was the right call. I think what you said at, at that point. Um, and I liked that honesty and, and, and appreciated it. Um, you also then started talking about the ecosystem and putting out vision for where it would go, what it would do. Um, and I found that captivating just like I do now. Um, when, when we've had conversations since, you've had, you've had this phrase that I really like, which is, and this is into implementing, so mm -hmm. to switch tracks yeah. just a little bit, you've had, you, you use the phrase one time, collective memory is only five to six months. Yeah. And so is that, political memory. <laughs> that, yeah. that idea is, that idea is stuck with me. And I'm wondering, can you say more about why you think that, why that's important for nonprofits to know? I think, you know, a lot of that came out of our work through the pandemic, quite frankly, so much of it, you know, was sidetracked, put on pause, but, you know, for a variety of unforeseen, uncontrollable reasons, right? And collective memory, the way I like to think about it is, you know, it's not just what's put in a, a status report. It's like where we think we're going with this project, right? And we start out with all these very big 
lofty intentions. This is transformation, which is a huge word, right? And then along the way, you start to get into the nitty gritty of it all. And then we start to lose that collective vision, right? We start to kind of get sidetracked, almost kind of forgetting the strategy and getting like super, super tactical. It can cause a lot of challenges, right? It can cause challenges because people are like, oh, I thought we were on this track or departments start to get out of alignment with one another. It's like, oh, hold on. I thought this was all about X, Y, and Z. And another department's like, no, actually, this is the goal of the project. Who's leading it? Why we're doing it? And so you can start to go down a little bit of a slippery slope with collective memory. And so it's something that we have brought back into our planning process, into our implementation journeys with clients, because it's really important that we stay more connected. I think also in the world where we have these virtual meetings, we're probably not going to be in a boardroom together for very long. We don't have these touch points of, oh, do you remember when we were at NetHope? Like that's a visceral memory. That is a collective memory I have with you in that moment. I remember your card. I remember that it's square. I remember that it says janitor on it. Why do I remember that? Because I saw you. I was in the same room with you. And so collective memories also amplify the problems that come along with it because we don't see each other. It's not tangible anymore. And so I think it's really easy to kind of veer down paths where we don't sit back and reflect. And so we've learned a lot through our implementations during COVID-19, during this pandemic, working remotely, that we have woven back into our implementation journey. And I think one of the things that I'd love to see when we work with our clients moving forward is that what is the transformation? What are the measurable outcomes? I think you were talking about this in a previous episode and I thought, gosh, that's so smart. It's so simple, but like, let's agree on how we're gonna benchmark these things. What is going to be a tangible difference at the end of the day that we can all say we did it? Like there's got to be some checks in the boxes that we feel a collective sense of pride that we've gone through this journey. It's been hard. It's had its challenges. There's not a single implementation in the world that's going to go smoothly. Full stop the end. Because you know what? There's people, there's technology. Those two things are very hard. Full stop, right? So let's set up at the beginning what we're going to assess ourselves on. So going back to collective memory, we might forget what we even started out with, but let's document the five key things that technology is gonna serve this strategy or technology is gonna move the meter this way. And let's, let's measure them at the end. And let's have the collective memory of saying, oh my God, we did it. We did it together. That we need fireworks in our lives. We need a sense of accomplishment beyond just go live. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you're referencing our conversation with Lori Freeman uh, from December of last year. And she is a colleague, a friend, and, and someone whom we have an inordinate amount of respect for. And, 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 and the distinction that I hear you saying is, you know, like a lot of things, and even in our past conversation from, from earlier this month with Kate Ruff, Mm -hmm. like a lot of things that we take as having objective meaning are actually much more highly subjective than we want to discuss. And and transformation is one of those things because there's the transformation that gets something to the end goal 
-hmm. There's the transformation of the organization. And then there's the transformation of the ecosystem. And for too long, we've been sort of benchmarking only down here at this lowest common denominator of, did we get to the end of what we thought we needed to get to the end to? And we haven't been benchmarking organizational or ecosystem transformation. And that's really the output we need to go to. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard. It's incredibly hard. It's very, very hard. I also think sometimes do we ask too much all at once, right? Transformation is a big deal, right? That is a huge word with a lot of impact. So can we just be realistic with what the organization can also take on in terms of transformation, right? Because the technology, yes, it can do things, but are you ready for it? Like organizational readiness for any level of transformation is as important as the tech itself. We've got to be willing to be introspective. We have to be ready to learn something new. We have to have the stakeholders championing change inside the organization, not just putting technology in front of a team and saying, there you go, stop your complaining, move on. You've got this now. Like you would never do that in any other circumstance in life. It is a huge lift and it's something that you really need to plan and prepare for. And we've had those really candid conversations sometimes with clients or prospective clients. Like if you're not ready, we don't want to push you either because mm -hmm. none of this is going to work out well if you're not ready, right? No matter what we do, no matter how much time we give you, you need to be mentally ready. You need to have your strategy in place. You need to know why you're doing this. Because if it's just like my contract's coming up and I'm taking a breath of fresh air and wondering what's available, that's probably not the right motivation. Just like you wouldn't hopefully, you know, jump out of one relationship into another one just because, right? Like I've never done that before in my life. Never. No, ever. no one's ever no. had a rebound relationship. <laughs> it, should be that. it should be like, let's go on a lot of dates. Let's get to know one another. Let's see if we even like each other. Let's get engaged. Let's then get married. Like let's, take our time with what is a fundamentally massive decision, right? It's not about just dollars and cents. This is a huge deal. And I think that's something any CRM system or any technology, you need to come at it from the approach of this is a big commitment of, of the organization for the organization. And us as an implementer of any technology, it's incumbent upon us to be as transparent as we can be with the lift this is a job on top of your daily job, right? This is, oh, you're just going to have like six months set aside. You're going to have nothing else to do. Data catharsis is a big deal that we see a lot of too. You know, I know we talk about data portability, but what do you want to take into the common data model for nonprofits? What don't you want to take, right? Like there's so many things you need to get ready before you're ready to dive into an implementation of any size. And I, I'm not trying to like, you know, over, make it sound overcomplicated, but it, it's a big deal. It really is. And so organizations need the leadership. They need the collective will, and they need to be ready to make some significant changes along the way. It's interesting um, that we're talking about NetHope in this conversation, mm -hmm. because one of the reasons NetHope was very uncomfortable for me is I had taken my business down to studs 
to mm -hmm. answer exactly what you're talking about. And, and you, you know, you and I have had this conversation where I was like, I, I have no objective measures that the work I've done in the last 10 years has is still being used uh, by our clients. And, you know, we've got CSAT scores like customer satisfaction scores. That's just decent client management. That is not transformation. And, um, and so at that conference, I was coming out of that with a plan that we've now pivoted our entire business around with guidance and doing mm -hmm. a lot of what you're talking about there. And it was so uncomfortable because I could raise the questions and say, I've got some ideas and nothing else. And I've, I was in a conference with literally some of the smartest people I'd ever met and felt like I, I would raise questions and, and they would be like, and I don't know what to do about it because I'm like trying to fit our business around that. I, I love the questions now because I do feel like now it matters has been poking at that specifically in service mm -hmm. innovation, which by the way, there's no funding anywhere for the idea of service innovation. Like that's not even a category, you know, and you know, which is its own big question, but let's leave it alone. The, the, the question of this is a big decision. What, what I feel like I wanna say on that is it is a big decision our job is to put it in the category of like weight loss or getting in shape. That's a big decision. Yes. And, and mostly it's a big decision because it's a, a thousand mini decisions, right? That's the actual issue is it's yeah. such a black box that if we're the experts and we can't say more than it's a big decision. And here are this, you know, like we need to be getting to a place where we're saying deciding to do it is important here mm -hmm. are the small decisions and here's the small things you have to do to get there. And that, that's why, I, you know, like going back to our, the way that we talk about this as um, personal trainers and, and saying like, if you're not seeing results at the gym, it doesn't help to change gyms. And that's our view of CRMs. If you're not seeing results in one CRM, it's unlikely that changing just the CRM is going to produce the results that you want. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and in that relationship, I've been thinking about this in the last two weeks and now you got me thinking about it again. So now I'm going to talk about it. Sorry. Is Yay, that, Tim's um, on a tear. <laughs> you're getting a break. Right Ima now. Imagine that. Um, yes. The thing about that, that, that works about that relationship with the personal trainer, I think, because I've never had one, but what I imagine to be the case and I've heard is that right. there is a person waiting for you at the gym. And so you go. There is something about humans learning from other humans and being engaged with other humans in transformation. That seems really, really important. But the mm -hmm. relationship is mostly metric centered. And this is the thing that's caught me off guard because most relationships like aren't metric centered, but this relationship is pick up that thing that weighs that much this many times, this number of days a week for this many weeks, and you'll see this result on a scale. Right? Like that is so metric centered and, right. and that is what drives that change is just these incremental. And, and the other thing is it doesn't matter how much that trainer can lift or, you know, it does, that is not the deal. The deal is entirely that relationship is the results you produce in someone else are the results you're accountable for. Uh, and as mm -hmm. an owner of a business, I've been very hesitant to start owning transformation results and being accountable for those instead of just deliverables. And that was, for me, that was a big shift in my mind. Like, am I willing to take that on? Um, and so there, there's my terror, I'm done with it. Thank you for raising that. I hope it applies. <laughs>
I mean, I think the role of a mission CRM or a now it matters with clients should always be focused on being a trusted advisor, right? The thing is you have to earn the right to be a trusted advisor, right? It doesn't come out of the box. You don't just, here's my badge. I'm a trusted advisor. Don't worry about anything. You know, it's a journey. It's a journey to go on with the client. So it's almost like you don't even get, you know, halfway through maybe, and that starts to materialize. There's a trust and an understanding there that you have your best interests at heart. Like we really are trying to ask you these questions. And one of the funniest ways I've ever seen it happen, like the quickest, is when you say no. Yeah. Or yeah. That's, that's not the right way to go. And people are like, whoa, hold on. Did that's right. Have, someone just said no to me. That's interesting, right? And I think that's really important. And I think that's where perhaps some pitfalls can come with implementations or products in general. It's a yes, 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 yes. When there probably was a no somewhere along the way. And for some reason, we either glossed over it or we didn't hear it or we didn't acknowledge it. So being a trusted advisor is just fundamental to the work that we do in terms of any transformation. And then in terms of your going to the gym metaphor, absolutely, right? But I would also say it's not just like the individual going to the gym, it's that whole organization going to the gym, yes. right? It's everyone committing to that workout plan, to lifting those weights when they need to, to support one another, right? That's the gestalt of the organization, hopefully coming together to go on that journey. One of the fundamental things we learned about is we need everyone at the beginning of a journey when we go to implement, right? You know, the finance team might be like, oh, it's not about us. Oh, no, 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 it is about you. It's about all of you together. And so again, changing our methodology, I also like to say, put a stake in the ground and reserve the right to get smarter. And that's what we've tried to do, you know, learning from our implementations, being a little bit more forceful, again, trying to be that trusted advisor and saying, we've got to do it this way. You know, and there's a really good reason we've learned that this is a much better approach. So please just trust us and let's go on this together. So it's, it's a big deal doing what we do and knowing nonprofits and learning about their inherent uniqueness, right? They're like no other organization I've ever worked with, but we've benefited because we've only ever worked with nonprofits at Mission. It's all we do. So every client we work with gives us insight and brings back value into the organization in terms of how we can be the best trusted advisors we can be. I just love that what you have done there is taken the term trusted advisor away from the sales and marketing perspective and put it rightly into the consultative and domain expertise perspective. Um, Because you do hear it too often where you're trusted advisor, but you only hear it in the sales and marketing approach, not in the consultative approach, exactly for the reasons of the, all of the yes, yes, yes. Um, I want to do two pivots. Uh, I, first of all, I want to say thank you. Uh, truly for touching on something that has been a personal soapbox of mine. One, you know, around this concept of data. Like I take notes around data. I've been taking notes around data for years, like now, but like I finally am getting the words to articulate it better. And I started this journey in, in, in the late 
019 era. And mm-hmm. you've contributed to it again because you know there's this concept I'm trying to sell of data ownership, and it and it and data ownership is a hallmark of strong nonprofit community. It's a hallmark of strong organizational agency, which is the part you just contributed, mm-hmm. and it's a hallmark, of course, of portability and interoperability that we've all been talking about. Um, Where I want to go with this is your story as a business owner has two very interesting components to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I very sometimes will sardonically say like, oh, Christine is one of the like six female CEOs. I know like, uh, and it's true. Actually, I say that like one of the half dozen because it's what it feels like from where I sit in the ecosystem. Uh, You also wound up selling a substantial amount of your IP directly Mm -hmm. to Microsoft after you made the pivot you did. There's this connection that I see between those two things and that is grit, fortitude, and just outright savvy. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about both your journey as a female CEO, co-founder, co-owner, because you co-founded with CJ or did you found it and then he came on board? We are, and then yes. co-founder, and then, you know, what that looked like when you were pivoting to selling your IP back to Microsoft after making another huge pivot to go to the nonprofit common data model in the first place. Wow. Well, it's been a journey, as you <laughs> rightly surmised. Um, so, you know, I think, let me take it back to, you know, the very, very beginning. So in 2016, you know, I was a little bit wrestling where I wanted to go uh, with my life, how I wanted to contribute in a a bigger, more substantial way than I had so far. Uh, It was just a moment in time. And that moment in time yielded me an opportunity to be able to decide what I wanted to do. And I have two very, very important people in my life. The first is my father, um, who's no longer with us. And the other is my uncle, who's like my second father. And very fortunate to be someone who, my uncle's a very successful businessman. My father was always in business. He uh, was a car salesman, but you know, like all about, not like schmoozy car salesman, very like business orientated car salesman. And I've always had this feeling in my mind that like business was something I wanted to do, but I didn't know what the opportunity was gonna be until through a series of events, this opportunity building on dynamics kind of came to mind. And my uncle was very generous. And he said, listen, Christina, if you write a business plan and you put something together that you you feel has the hallmarks of potential, I will support you in that endeavor, give you some, some tailwinds to push you forward. So CJ and I embarked on that journey and we spent about six months writing the business plan, but coming at it from the perspective of proving ourselves wrong was going to be okay, equally as much as proving ourselves right. And I think you have to do that when you embark on any idea. You can't be blind just because you had an idea. It's going to be, you know, amazing. And we did. We came up with the idea. We proofed it out. We were fortunate enough to have my uncle's support and my whole family's support, more importantly to help me get through some very challenging times, starting a a tech company from the ground up. You know, this was grit to say the least. It was 
hours upon hours every day, just, you know, literally writing, ideating, coming up with a name, coming up with a product, looking at what was in, in the ecosystem and driving ourselves forward because no one else is going to do it for you except yourself. There's no one to say, oh, I'm tired today. Can you take this over? When there's two people like starting a, a company, it's a lot of work. And so building up to be one was a tremendous effort. The whole family celebrated when that happened. You know, like I invited all my family, I'm like, come on, let's go. You know, I gave a little executive announcement. It was like really super exciting. And then it was like, oh, we're going to do this again. Are we really going to do this again? Rebuild on the CDM, go through that whole journey. And you've just got to believe in yourself. Like no one else is going to believe in your idea more so than you. But I do remember so fondly when. V1 was done and we had flown out to Redmond to meet with Eric and Aaron, um, Aaron Birchfield that is at the time oh, yeah. and to show them what it was V1 looked like. And they were like, oh, this is amazing. You're building this out. And all of this just evolved. TSI was born three weeks after we were with V1. You know, this confluence of events and then Aaron coming on board and Eric and her and the team realizing that the future of what Microsoft could do had to start with something like the common data model to make it work. Um, and then just again, the confluence of time and place, you know, mission being ready with V2, Microsoft themselves and TSI saying, what else can we do? How can we really even further kickstart the momentum of what's possible on the platform? And that's when we came together and sold our, well, not all of it, but our core IP to Microsoft, because we knew that that in turn would be the building blocks of our future again, right? That we could contribute to the community, that we could give everyone that head start and that we could continue to build mission as the next level that sits on top of fundraising and engagement. So again, it was a, a moment where some people might've said, oh, I don't know, hold on. This is like our company, this is what we've built. But instead we looked at it from the perspective of, We'd be crazy not to help continue to build our own future by helping to build the sector itself. And so, I mean, Eric and I, I remember having conversations with him I'm like, this is the most exciting thing we could possibly do. Like there was so much momentum and so much hard work, don't get me wrong, but like launching fundraising engagement with Microsoft was again, a pivotal moment for Microsoft, for the sector, and now we get to continue to run with abandon moving forward. So exhausting, <laughs> don't get me, it was an exhausting journey and it still is because when you're the vanguards in the space that you're operating, you know, you're pushing yourself every day to do more, be better and keep going. So it's a, you know, it's a continuing journey to say the least. What was it like to tell your dad and uncle that that deal was on the table and then that that deal was closed? <sighs> My most like sentimental moment um, was when, you know, fundraising engagement launched. Um, our name was on the, the website, um, you know, introducing fundraising engagement, Dynamics 365, co-built with Mission CRM. And my father was in the hospital at the time and I got to visit him and I got to show him on my phone I'm like, look, dad, you know, like, look, here we are. And, and he told me that he was just so immensely proud 
of what I had and we had accomplished as a company. And he smiled and he was, there was a moment I got to see that come full circle with my dad. And the day I was actually supposed to present at NetHope with Aaron was the day that my dad passed. And it was, it was rough to say the least, but I was so grateful that he got to see that milestone in our collective lives because he always believed in the vision. He always believed that we would be successful and you know, being successful means just being happy and continuing on, you know, like five years, we're almost in existence now. Um, for us, that's a major milestone. You know, five years in this business, doing everything that we've done, I'm very proud to be here. Um, and I'm very proud that my uncle also gets to see it. Um, you know, it's been a real journey and I've gotten to prove my to my family that all the, the energy and the love and you know the forgiveness I've needed to ask for over the past five years, when I can't be there or I'm busy, has, hasn't been in vain. And that it's all cumulatively led up to this moment where I think we have a very bright future at Mission CRM. Uh, no, those are not tears. Just to be really clear. <laughs> I, uh, I am uh, literally yeah. too choked up right now to say anything because I know firsthand what a, what a very challenging year this has been for you um yeah i like wow yeah i uh i'm so impressed with your dad for having that um i'm done yeah. <laughs> uh that kind of relationship with your uh kids maybe daughter uh especially but uh i just like in terms of goals, like I, I can't imagine something more than um, my daughter being so excited to show something off like that. So, yeah, that's really inspiring. Yeah, I did not um, mean for this to get so emotional, but um, yeah, that's really inspiring. I think to raise children, you know, to believe that they can truly do anything. I mean, that's how I have always known my life to be. And I'm very grateful for that because I know not everyone gets that experience, right? There was never a moment in my life where my mom or my dad said, you can't do that. Or like, that's too big a dream. Like being bold and just say, why not? You know, like just asking questions and not getting silly answers or saying, oh, you know, that's, that's not for you. Um, never got that in my life. And so being able to move forward and, you know, be a female entrepreneur, it wasn't even a question. Like, you know, like it was just go for it. You can do it. Having that momentum behind you, you know, it's the tailwinds. And that is the nurturing and the love that I'm sure you give your family, right? And that's all you need is the the support unconditionally of the choices you make. And so having that, I mean, what business do I have being here? I don't know, doing what I do. You know, I, I work really hard, but I don't have a PhD in anything that I've done. It's been a vision and a dream and unrelenting passion to see it to fruition. Full stop, the end. Yeah, thank you. I. <laughs> Sorry, I'm actually still personally a little choked up. Um, and I think 
you know, to, to have a family, to have kids, to, to have that ability to hold ambiguity, uh, as all of that engenders, I think, you know, the thing that I'm connecting this to Christina is, you know, some of the conversations that you and I have just about like our childhoods. And I visited an aunt of mine up in Sacramento over the weekend. And I was reminded that she wanted me very badly to go to a Montessori school and escape sort of what was the rural hell of my, you know, childhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And you went to a Montessori and, and, you know, I think there's, I have not, as someone in this ecosystem found a perfect way to be me. Uh, And it's largely due to the fact that like, I think you always have to keep trying that, that, that attempt at both fitting in, but defining your own path. Right. And it's funny because you and I have laughed about a lot of our childhoods looking identical in some ways around Mm -hmm. like, you know, some of the stuff that kids don't do or all the things we did do. Uh, (laughs) and, and our benefit positively and negatively from when we look back on our world. So I, I really appreciate your articulation of what that grit and fortitude looks like over time. And thank you. Um, what I will say is we're running short on time. Uh, but what, what's on, what burning thing haven't you said that you must say? Uh, cause I know you have a lot of those thoughts. Um, let me think, you know, I think one of the things I would like to share is the ability for us as, you know, let me start that again. Sorry. The ability for us to work with our clients and serve this sector, I think is really critical that we ask how we can help. Right. And I think I always want to know from our clients, if they will, you know, give me their feedback, if they will share with me how we could help. I'm really big on asking questions. I want to know the whys, not just the hows. Like, tell me how this can be impactful for you. I think having a curious mindset is really, really important when we're doing work that has not yet ever been done in the way that we're doing. I think asking like, where are your real pain points? What don't I know about? Like, tell me, ingratiate me with the time to tell me where we can help solve more problems. And, you know, it's funny enough talking about like a Montessori mindset. That is what Montessori is all about. I mean, I had a big classroom and we had a couple of classes a day, but for the most part, it's wandering around from place to place, picking things up, putting them down, asking yourself questions and being open to do anything, right? Just like, what do I want to learn today? I want our sector to evolve based on listening to our clients, figuring out how technology can serve some of those pain points, but we need to ask why. We can't just always be prescriptive, right? Assuming that we know the answers. And so I think what I would love to see, and I know the CDM community is part of that journey, the conversations with people about what haven't we solved yet for? Right? How can we do better by the nonprofit sector through technology? And I think that's the kind of feedback I hope we get in that CDM community over time. I hope we evolve the conversation where we have conferences that help answer questions, not just about technology, but about 
how we can make the day-to-day -day lives of nonprofits better. We have so much tech on our hands. How are they actually using it? I think is the next level that we all collectively want to go to, but it's a big lift, right? That's where I think we need to ask the questions and see how we each can help solve some of those and together hopefully solve a whole lot of them, right? Exactly. I have no here. I have no final words. Like usually yeah, we have to wrap, wrap things up. Amazing. That's a wrap. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and your thoughts and your passion, your leadership, your articulation. That's a long list. Mostly thanks for being a good influence on both of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Completely Thank agree. you guys. I appreciate it. And honestly, please keep having these conversations. They are important. And I hope more and more people are listening and you know what, go back in time. I totally encourage everyone who's watching this. There's so many good conversations before me to listen to. So this is great. And please keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you, Christina. Thank you. I'm Tim Lockie. I'm Tracy Kronzak. And you've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters is a thought leadership project of Now It Matters, a strategic services firm offering advising and guiding to nonprofit and social impact organizations. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, check out our playlists, and visit us at nowitmatters.com to learn more about us.